G'day folks, it is AOS Coach here, and if you are tuning in, you must be one of the faithful. Apologies for my background, it has been flooding and raining, so I've been cleaning up and changing things around, and it looks kind of weird. This is the first time you guys have seen like what happens behind the scenes, but you're not here to listen to me about to talk about blinds and, and backdrops. You are here to listen about all things Stormcast Eternals. And I am joined by Matthew Swinney, who was the winner of Adepticon 2022 with Stormcast going 5-0 and at, what, 200 players? It's hard to know. Uh, I actually don't know how many players read Adept.com. Could be a million for all I know. But Matthew did win with Stormcast. So I want to kind of get an understanding of how he what, what he found from Stormcast, what was his list, and we'll talk list and faction rules and things like that. But also, like, what have we what have we kind of learned over the last couple of months, given that we've got um, priority targets and, you know, we've got prime hunters and some of the Stormcast units, there's actually a lot of Stormcast units on that priority target list. So curious to hear if you swapped out your long strikes for adjudicators, have we dropped any of the dragons? What are you thinking? But before we get into that, I'll throw it over to my guest, Matthew. G'day. Welcome. Say hello to the internet. Thanks. I appreciate you uh, having me on and I look forward to a, a fun conversation. There was 190 uh, folks at Adepticon, by the way. Look at 190 million, I think. Uh, you beat them all. You went 5-0. and oh. It's amazing how you kind of wrap that up. But um, how was Adepticon, like the actual event? Because I went in 20, 2019, I was there. Um, great event, really enjoyed the convention. It was cool to hang out with people outside of it. Um, I know you're good friends with people like Anthony, uh, Paul Castro and, you know, the, the, the Nashcon lads, but, um, how was, how was Adepticon for anyone who hasn't actually been or doesn't know much about the convention? Um, it was great. I mean, it's, it's a really huge event. Um, there's just a ton of people. Um, and they have, you know, 40K, there was a ton of like X-Wing, Legion, you know, it was just massive tournaments, team tournaments, grand tournaments. Um, it was, it was a blast, you know, it's, everybody is, is always really friendly. Um, and, you know, the games are always really good, you know, plenty of tables, competition, plenty of, you know, great, um, uh, like vendors to look at and stroll through if you actually have the time. But, uh, no, it's kind of funny because. Um, I went, I think five years ago and I've been trying to get back every year since. And the lot, you know, obviously the last two got canceled because of COVID. Um, and so I finally managed to get back and then this was a great way to, to, to rein in, an, uh, another Adepticon trip. Yeah. I, what I always love about Adepticon is not just the tournament, but also just all the things that you do afterwards, you hang out, you have some beers, people are just hanging out, playing games and going out to get meals and you're just chatting with people. Cause then often one of the experiences that I had that is very uncommon, at least for me as an Australian, is that when you go to a convention like Adepticon and, you know, LVO might be the same. I have, you know, I haven't gone there just yet, but you stay often at the convention. So people are hanging out and they're, you know, they're not going to sit in their hotel room. They're not going back to their family and their friends. They're going to hang out and, with the lads and, and and everyone who's around and just chatting and, and hanging out with their friends and, you know, all the guys and girls who are at the convention. It's, um, it's just an awesome experience. Yeah. I mean, they have the, they have the golden demon competition up on the second floor. So that's great. You get to see, you know, all these just phenomenally painted miniatures and they had like, um, uh, my buddy Jason, and I, that I went with, uh, we went and played some board games. They have like a corner where you can like rent out all these various board games. You don't have to pay anything. 
Um, so yeah, so there's lots to do. It was a blast and, uh, definitely be going back. And by the way, the show is titled old school, because when I looked at your list, you're mostly kicking it old school. There's a couple little fan favorites that have joined the mix since then. Um, a certain hero from the hammers of Sigma that we, you know, I'll let you all unreveal. Maybe it's like, I don't know, I don't know maybe, maybe it's Neve. Maybe it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the guy with the, uh, the beast, the beastman head, but, um, yeah, like like it's it's a great convention and it's always fun because you know just just tournaments in general are great. Um, so like you got you're going into Adepticon and you know it's a big event. You know I know you play at places like NashCon. Um, what were you expecting in the meta? You know, were you following what happened at the LVO because the LVO had a big allocation of Stormcast, probably more than I would have expected. And since then as well, as I've mentioned, you've had the hunt, which is that rule set where you've got pr priority targets, things like long strikes, your dragons, uh, forminators are giving away extra VP when they die. And you've got prime hunters as well. What what were you thinking and what were you expecting going into Adepticon? Um, I was, you know, I was kind of expecting the same. You know, I was expecting Stormcast to be a huge contingent. Um, I was expecting to see a lot of Storm Drake. You know, I was I was expecting to see some some cheeky Cities of Sigmar lists that I thought would be kind of um, tough. And then you know, kind of a smattering of it. I, outside of that, I wasn't real sure what to expect. Um, once once I was there, I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised with how much variety there actually was. Um, there was I think I only saw two like just dragon spam lists. And they didn't end up actually doing that well. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of Stormcast, but there was about as much Stormcast as there was um, Soulblight Gravelords. And what else? There was um, there was about as much Nurgle. Um, so Nurgle was really popular. And then there was actually a ton of War Clans. There was actually more War Clans um, than anything else, which kind of took me by surprise. But I saw a lot of lot of dual cabbage lists with lots of gore grunches and and all that people like to to smash things with orcs were you worried about any of those prime hunter stuff going into adepticon like given you know because like you know th there's an interesting question around you know do i drop some of those priority targets or do i still get more value from them by having long strikes i'm i'm better off than dropping it for judicators for example did that did that come into play with your list construction or did did you like look i don't really know how this is going to affect me just yet like what was your thinking i mean for for me i'm i'm a terribly slow painter so there was absolutely no way that i was going to swap anything out at that late of an hour um and so for me it was really just kind of a a thought experiment as to like you know is this really going to matter is there any way to play around it um and i think I think it, it definitely it, it definitely comes into play. You know, I think when you're going up against somebody else who's using those targets, um, I think it kind of if you're both if you're both good, then you're both probably going to get a couple of extra cheeky points. Right. You know, you're going to say, OK, well, you know, these fulminators, I'm going to I'm going to blow them down with my long strikes, but then I'm going to try and pick them up with Bastion or I'm going to pick them up with you know, a couple mortal wounds from some liberators or something. Um, but, you know, you're, if you're both playing kind of the same sort of list, then you you can probably cancel that out. I think the interesting part comes in when you have some of these allegiances or these, you know, these armies that 
aren't don't really show up on that list, um, they can rack up a lot of extra points that you can't really make up. Um, you know, I played like a Illumina Throne Lords for the, my last match. And, you know, he took out my Fulminators and, you know, that's two extra points that I was not going to be able to get from him anywhere in his list. You know, mm -hmm. and if he'd have taken out my long tricks as well, that's four, you know, that's four victory points. That's a lot of victory points to overcome. Um, and if it's, you know, if they're a good player and it's a good, you know, it's a good list, it just doesn't kind of reach into that kind of meta or, you know, OP sort of level, then I think that it's, that's where the sweet spot is where they can really kind of get, make some extra ground that may be hard to, to make up. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a really good game against Daughters of Cain the other week, and my Gloom Spike Gits had killed a unit of ten bow snakes. I got Kragnos into combat, cleared them out, and it was just a massive victory point swing because yep. Kragnos doesn't Kragnos doesn't give away the points, so he's actually mm -hmm. not a priority target, and he gets to benefit under Gloom Spike Gits. So um, it's fascinating. But I think what I'm hearing from you as a Stormcast player is that when I look at my units that are identified as a priority target, it's probably not enough for me to go, ooh, long strikes are on this list, ooh, formulators on this list. I'm going to turn my formulators into concussors or I'm going to turn my long strikes into judicators or some type of other shooty, I don't know, um, the ballista. I was going to say Bastilodon. I'm like, you don't have Bastilodons. <laughs> the Ballista, um, it's not enough for you to kind of swap it out because the benefits are still there. But you got to be smart again with maybe grinding down your target, but try not to maybe kill it outright with long strike. Right. No, that's cool. No, it's, it's, it's interesting because, like, it was, it was a question that I had because, yeah, I mean, things have changed. And when you start going up to the top, you're going to find that having like I know a lot of storm uh, the dragons players often found themselves in a mirror match at the LVO, which was part of the challenge. Why do you think Stormcast Dragons didn't do as well maybe at LVO at Adepticon? Do you think it was because people have had their fun and that they're kind of going back into maybe a less dragony spam list? Do you think maybe all dragons isn't the way to go anymore? Yeah, I'm. I, I, I'm. I'm not entirely sure. Like I said, there weren't. There weren't a lot of them, um, where it was just nothing but dragons. Um, and I. And I didn't. I didn't talk to those people, so I don't know if they were like, you know, just taking it because you know they thought it'd be fun, or if they were really expecting to win with them or what. Um, but I think, you know, they've. You know, it's kind of been on the top of the meta for a while. People are kind of, you know, they kind of know what to expect. Um, and now with the predatory stuff, you know, that's, that's extra points you can get it, since we're in GUR, you know, that's a lot of extra points too. Cause that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about is, you know, like in my list, I've got no monsters, so I'm not giving up any extra VPs. Whereas if I'm going up against somebody who's got, you know, four monsters, well, I can space those out and pick up, you know, three or four extra VPs, which might turn the tide. Um, and there's, again, there's no way for them to necessarily make those points up all else being, you know, all else being equal. Yeah. And look, you know, like this is, this is from a, a purely competitive point of view. First off, Adepticon's final standings hasn't been published yet. So when it does, maybe I will find that, you know, in the 10th place, there was a Stormcast dragon list. So we don't know just yet, but, um, and I'm not saying, you know, if you do want to run all the dragons and you're like me and you, you're trying to push Krondus and Karazai into a list, 
um, that you're not doing anything wrong. It's more just about what we're seeing as the as the meta revolves. And I mentioned that Gloom Spike list. One of the things, and I know this is not the Gloom Spike show. I'm not going to go too too long about it. But I wanted to test a theory around the Horde meta because I've had a bad experiences from long strikes and forminators when I've run really elite forces. And I thought to myself, what happens when I put 100 idiots on the table? I don't care if you'd run your forminators into my list. I don't care. And I wanted to test to see how it went. And it was fast. I went 3-0 at this particular tournament. But what was fascinating was just how hard it was for many people to whittle down the bodies, especially when I'm using Rally especially when I'm using like um, Emerald Life Swarm, just bringing back body after body after body. And it was just hard to, to, to be on the objective. And I know some people like myself, like Vince Ventrella and Warhammer Weekly, we're talking about, are we on a cusp of a Horde meta? And I think maybe we are. So uh, maybe again, that plays into the dragon, right? Because you, your dragon breaths are just not consistent, at least at a tournament level. And if you're yeah, asking no. more zombies... I think, yeah, I, th I think we could definitely, um, I think the Horde would counter the current meta pretty well. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the things I took away from, um, at least, you know, my experience, the five, the five games that I had at um, Adepticon was there's just a lot of mortal wounds floating around. Like people are just doing a lot of mortal wounds and that's a pretty good counter to Stormcast. Um, and so if people, but, it, but again, if people are relying on a bunch of mortal wounds and you show up with, you know, 140 bodies, then you don't really care about mortal wounds anymore. You know, you can kind of just tank them, you know, play for the objectives. And I think a lot of people just aren't going to be prepared for that. Um, so, no, I think that's definitely one way that the meta could, could go. And I mean, I think I'd, I think I'd, I'd be interested to see it go that direction. Yeah, and it's part of this discussion, right? It's like, what did you learn about your army and what did you learn about Stormcast at a, at the Adepticon? And, like, how are you thinking about it now that we've got, you know, Daughters of Cain, Nighthaunt, Fire Slayers, and someone else I forgot to mention. Like, we've got those factions coming up. You know, either they've dropped or our book's about mm -hmm. to drop. And we've just got the uh, the Incarnate as well. So um, let's, let's go back to Stormcast. So... You've got your you've got your Adepticon list. Um, what did you build around? Like, what were some of your considerations? Were you trying to counter any particular armies? Were you uh, did you know the battle plans in advance? Like, what was your thinking when you come up with the list? Um, so no, we didn't we didn't know the battle plans ahead of time. But and and you know this may may or may may or may not be particularly interesting to people. But the main the main thing was this conversion here. I don't know if you can see that very well. Um, but it's it's a fulminator that's been converted to look like a um, knight of Bretonia. I don't know how familiar you are with the old world, um, mate, but mate, mate, uh, mate, mate, what you don't know is I'm actually converting my stormcast right now using Empire Bretonia and Demigriff Knight heads. So I've got all oh, nice. of the Bretonia. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm doing a very medieval style as well. So okay, so that was yeah, so that was you know that was actually. The main reason I even got into Stormcast because I initially didn't didn't really like the look, you know, I didn't like the heads, and and then when I saw the Kothian Guard models, I'm like, actually, you know, I could carve these off and I could put some heraldry on, do some head swaps, do some lance swaps. I'm like, that would actually be pretty sick, and so that was kind of that was what brought me Stormcast to begin with, and you know, I've always I've always loved the Fulminators, 
And, you know, obviously in 3.0, fulminators are really good. They're really efficient. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of where I started with the list is, I'm, you know, I knew I was going to have some fulminators in there and I wanted to support them. And, you know, even though fulminators are pretty quick, they don't quite have the power projection that I think you need. Um, and so I kind of put the, the long strikes in there as a kind of make, you know, to force my opponent to come to me. Um, you know, if, if you don't come to me, then I'm just going to, I'm just going to destroy you with long strikes. So you've got to come to me. And then the fulminators are great, you know, counterpunch to that. Um, so that was kind of my thinking there is, you know, I love the fulminators. I wanted to bring them the long strikes, I think complement them. They're kind of one of the big power pieces that I think help keep uh, the Stormcast competitive. Um, and then after that, you know, I wanted to put some pieces that I thought were a little bit more fun, a little bit more interesting, um, gave me a little bit more flavor, a little bit more utility. Um, and, and I kind of get a lot of that with, with the, my hero selection. I don't know if you want to go, if we want to go into the list in depth now, or if you want to hold off on that. I'll, I'll, I'll bring up the rules in a minute. Cause I want to get, kind of get your, your thinking behind because part of this right because not everybody here wants to run hammers right you know i'm a big hallowed knights player i really enjoyed the lore i remember listening to the audio book around goddess and i'm like yep cool hallowed knights are my jam i actually didn't even look at the rules for i wanted to like i was so entwined into like play garden i went nah i'm gonna play hallowed knights and i looked at the rules i'm like cool okay like hammers probably better i think there was a, another particular build i'm like yeah it probably does better in i can't remember what i mean it was like Vindicate Celestial Vindicators. Celestial Vindicators are pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the other one. I'm like, yeah, my list would probably do better there, but I just love the lore of, of, of um Hallowed Knights. But I'm gonna ask you a burning question, as Hades mentioned. Why did you convert the Bretonia head? Like, why was it just because you didn't like the Stormcast head, or was it actually something a little bit more behind there? Um yeah, so you know, the because the 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 stock stormcast helmets to me you know they kind of have that sort of at least the first ones kind of had that mr roboto kind of look you know they kind of look like robot men um and so i really was i was really put off by the by those to the point where i, I wasn't very interested and so when i thought about the bretonian switch and i mean in bretonia they're all about the heraldry and all that kind of stuff and the helmets have you know all that flavor and stuff on top um so i i felt like i you know i had to do the helmet swaps there we're, we're kindred spirits. I agree with you. I, I'm not a fan of the Faceless Legion, um, which is kind of that, you know, the inspiration of the old style. And I think I fell in love with the newer style, especially like the Vindictors and things like that. Mm -hmm. I love this new Sleeker. I love this new Sleeker. And I'm actually trying to think about how do I convert long strikes out of the new Thunderstrike armor, but with like the, the chunky crossbows, because the arms just won't fit properly. So I'm in this bizarre world. Yeah, I did. I'm like, actually, one of the... <laughs> One of the one of the ways I actually got myself a little excited about bringing um, long strikes was I, I did a pretty heavy conversion because I don't know you know how much how familiar you are with Bretonian lore, but the knights aren't allowed to use ranged weapons, um, and so in the Bretonian armies only the peasants actually used ranged weapons. And so what I actually did was I took some Bretonian peasants and then I pillaged. Um, the big crossbows from the new cruel boys sets the like the i think they're bolt boys is that right yeah okay um, mate and so I, I i have that with the peasant bowman on it so it kind of looks like this somewhat ramshackle you know big 
crossbow ballista sort of thing. And then I've got like a, you know, a Bretonian knight or a minute arm shield kind of propping it up so that they're shooting. So I think you're, I think you're a brother from another mother. Like I feel <laughs> we have kindred spirits here. I, mate, I'm a third edition empire person. I, I looked over the fence and looked what happened. You fancy pants Bretonians were doing, but I'm all about my gunpowder empire, but yeah, I'm, I'm down. I've actually been really inspired. Like as I've gotten into the law, I've really enjoyed the Stormcast lore a whole lot more, I think. Um, so I dig what you're doing. But talk to me about the rules. Um, otherwise, this show will be about lore as opposed to <laughs> tactics and lists. Like this is this is a slippery slope for me. When you look at the Stormcast, by the way, like, you know, spoiler alert, you ran Hammers of Sigma. Um, you didn't run. So I'll get to your sub-allegiances soon. But... How important are the rules for Stormcast Allegiance and what made you go with, um, uh, not Signs of the Storm, you went Stormkeepers apart? Because I think a, a lot of people are kind of like, where do I go, pros and cons? Talk to me um, about the rules that you're tapping into. So, you know, for again, you know, for one of the one of the things that made me go with Stormkeep was I just thought that the rules were more fun. Honestly, um, you know, Skyons is kind of stock Stormcast rules that we've been playing with the whole time. And, you know, it can be really good. You know, it, I think it can be really good from a psychological standpoint because, you know, I've seen so many opponents sit there and just rack their brains about, oh, no, he could deep strike over here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to spread out my stuff. I'm going to spread out my stuff. I'm like, I don't really care. I didn't I didn't want to do that. You, you're You're keeping those units out, you know, out of the battle. And I didn't even have to do anything. So. Skyons is is great and I think even in my list Skyons is actually probably the more meta choice mm. um <clears throat> especially against some of the the more dangerous matchups I think but I really like Stormkeep's rules they were new I wanted to try them and I I, I do think they're pretty valuable you know they kind of answer one of the big problems with Stormcast which is you just don't have that many bodies. You know, if, if there's ever a situation where you want to fight for control of an objective, you know, generally you're, you're having to blow people off of them. You're having to kill everything off of the objective and you're going to have to take it by force. You just can't, you can't put bodies on the point to actually compete for it. Whereas with, you know, Stormkeep, you know, I take three squads of, of redeemers, three squads of liberators and you know that's 45 bodies in terms of mm. competing for for points and that you know that can come in 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 really clutch um and i think depending on the matchup um it it can actually be better than skyons but against some of the more you know especially like the mirror match you know one of the matches i played against was um stormcast and he had the long strikes with the teleport and he was a one drop and 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 so you know it, against that matchup you know i would have much rather had skyons and just put the put my long strikes in the sky so that they're nice and safe um and then i can bring them down and shoot whereas you know what actually happened was you know he teleported and shot you know most of my long strikes off the board and now i'm kind of playing from behind um and so you know a priority role actually came in pretty clutch in that game um to keep you know to kind of keep me in it until I could I could pull it out in the end but um no I think I, I think both sets of rules are really good I think Skyons um at, at least with my list is probably the better choice but I just like Stormkeep better and uh, I think it's more fun and like I said against some matchups I think it is definitely better just because it lets you compete 
um, for those objectives with bodies, whereas you normally, you know, you normally just can't outnumber people. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, right? Because when I think about even my own list selection, with Deepkin really starting to emerge, right, and, you know, the Forgotten Nightmares forcing you to shoot at the closest unit, you know, having those long strikes at the back of the board and having to shoot something you don't want to shoot, um, signs of the storm being able to drop them wherever that you need them to drop, and then obviously you can't use the Holy Command in the hero phase um, until they're down. But, you know, in, if, if Deepkin really become popular, I can see Scions, especially if you're investing into, like, long strikes and shooters, to be to be a valuable option. But you're 100% right. Every time I've played against Stormcast, I'm always winning on the objectives. And it's really a battle of how long can I hold my objectives versus how long does it take for you to clear the objectives? Because I've always got more bodies. I'm always counting towards more, you know, one model out of your unit does really hurt a lot. And when you bring in the Redeemer units, it just gives you more control, especially when it gets to, is it turn three where all objectives um, count, where well, it's only those. Yeah, so it's turn three. But one thing that one thing that people don't quite remember is that the, the wording on it is that it just has to be partially in your territory. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, scenarios, like this, all pretty much all the ones that split it right down the middle you know, that, that center objective, it's, it's in my territory or turn one, um, because it just has to be partially in. So some of those objectives, you know, you're counting for 15 right out of the gate. Um, there was one, we played the one where they're all on, there's three objectives on the center line. Um, and that was the one game that I actually outdropped my opponent. Um, and I actually had the choice to go. Um, and I actually, I, he was playing fire slayer. So I was worried about, um, pushing off all his bodies because he's got the, that damn four up save. And so I actually just was really aggressive and I just threw all my, all my redeemers on each of the objectives and he just never moved me off of them. Would you bring in any cities of Sigmar units into the list? Because when you're storm keep, you can bring one in every four as a coalition cities. Um, I looked at it um, and I think, you know, I, I looked at some cheap, you know, some cheap units that could give me bodies. Um, but at the end of the day, I decided I'd rather just take um, more liberators because liberators are surprisingly tanky. I've, I've had so many situations where people expect to go in and push, push a, a min unit of liberators off of a point, And they don't realize that, you know, they're base three up save, they're sitting in cover. I can all out defense and you can, you know, you can bring in neg two rend and I'm still rolling a three up, you know, armor save with a, a six up ward save. And that, you know, that, that takes more time than most people think, you know, generally it takes at least like double the points to actually move those liberators. And when you're worried about, you know, when you're worried about fulminators and thunder and long strikes and bastion, um, you know, usually you don't have a lot of extra oomph to, to, to worry about moving a liberator off of a point. No, and I've seen some good lists where they've used like the Anointed on Frost Phoenix as a really mm -hmm. and one. It's a monster. Two, it's super durable. Three, the 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 bubble of minus one to hit around and minus one to wound around. It, sorry, um, can be very valuable, but it's a big points investment. Which mm -hmm. if you've got it, awesome. Yeah, like as, as Obsidian is saying, the the Liberator is acquired cheaper. I look at somebody's list and I see, as you said, Bastion, Longstrike, Judicators you know, other types of units. I'm like, cool, they're my primary, they're my primary targets I need to bring, bring down. But actually it's the humble liberator 
who can just sit in an objective and and just take the damage and is often being ignored. Mm-hmm. Interesting question from Elias, actually. I, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this because I feel at the moment old cast works really well. So, you, you know, you, you know, all the things in the old original kind of box, the new cast are doing quite well. But then you've got the sacrosanct, the stuff that came out with um, with Soul Wars. What are your thoughts on the Soul Wars models? You know, um, your uh, sequiturs, your uh, evocators, your kitty cats, and uh, obviously the Toralon is is quite good at the moment. But just generally, where do you stand on like sacrosanct? I I, I like sacrosanct. Um, I just think right now, you know, the, to me, the core of the sacrosanct is kind of the sequiturs. And I think the sequiturs are just a little overcosted right now because the liberators can kind of the liberators can do what I want them to do, and the sequiturs just cost quite a bit more, unfortunately. Um, I think <laughs> if they came down a little bit. I think they'd be an interesting choice, but for now they're just they're just a little overcosted, and I think they kind of they're kind of suffering from the uh, we used to be you know really strong, you know especially like the evocators used to be you know, insanely strong. Um, and so they, you know, all of that kind of got toned down a little bit and kind of got hit with the, the point hammer a little bit. I love cra- crazy horse book. Castro is telling me to stop talking about sacrosanct and then follows it up by telling me about the list he's building around evocated kitty cats. So yep. it, is it the points? Like if they, if, if general's handbook 2022 comes around and the sacrosanct goes down in points, is that enough, do you think, to reconsider it from a competitive point of view? It depends on how much. Um, I think if they got if they got a drastic points decrease, then I think yes. Um, but I don't think they're going to get that big of a points decrease. Um, I would be pretty surprised. So I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's not the war scrolls that are bad. It's just that at the moment they're overcosted for what um, and, you're getting. And because you've got so many good options, like Stormcast right. is such a massive book, you you have so many options. So it's like you're competing, right? It's like, uh, I can get more from it from somewhere else. Yeah, no, it's the trade-off. You know, Stormcast, you have a lot of options. <laughs> so you're competing with a lot of other choices. And, and I think the, the sacrosanct stuff just comes in a little too inefficient, I think. Yeah, and as Obsidian's saying, you know, some of the heroes in Sacrosanct are quite good. And I mentioned the Toralon, for example, has become very popular um, in, in some lists. It's it's amazing that it's taken many years now for that old not not uh, Balthasar Gelt model to become good. Like, I'm sorry, it's Gelt. Um, okay. I, I do not apologize. It's Gelt. Um, but yeah, like, but why, why hammers? Like, is it because you want to run Bastion? So spoiler, we've talked about Bastion a few times. Is it purely because of Bastion or is there something else that hammers is bringing to your list that the others doesn't bring? Um, it's, it's primarily Bastion. I, I think the hammers rule is good. You know, a six up ward isn't great, but it, it definitely helps save some wounds. Um, and, and it can come in to just, you know, another, another layer of protection on an already pretty defensible unit can can be pretty helpful but no the primary reason i went was was just because i really loved bastion's rules um i thought he was unique um and i thought you know i think he brings a lot to the list and so i wanted to bring him and so you got to go hammers all right well let's bring up the list let's stop let's stop teasing the folks and actually show off the list and and we can kind of get into the decision tree here right so you've gone hammers of sigma in Stormkeep. 
you've gone grand strategy hold the line and then the list consists of the uh bastion you've got yourself the lord arcanum on griff charger which is the general master of magics uh scintillating trail with chain lightning you've also gone the lord castellant with arcane tome and celestial blades you've got a unit of four dracothian guard fulminators and six long strikes you've got three units of five liberators and then loved it a unit of three aether wings i love those aether um, wings oh they're so good like i used to run them in cities of sigma as like my one in four so like i'd always go like uh eight drops or 12 drops so i could run two or three units of those idiots even when they were like 50 they were 50 points let's say 60 40, 50 40 back to 65 they're so good they're so underrated unfortunately they get dropped a lot um you've gone hunters you've gone warlord as your two battalions and double holy command you've gone um the the call for aid and then for your warlord you've taken thunderbolt volley or either either yep. but what kind of surprised me as well and then i'll pass the mic to you is your nine drops so a lot of people are talking about the drop to how you know how low can you go like a limbo um limbo no not limbo um a nine drops right so like you don't give a shit about who drops first you uh, you've got a plan right so i'll be curious to find out why you've you've ignored battle reg um in order to go <coughs> hunters and, and warlord but talk to me about what this list does how it comes together and what the, how you kind of constructed it so I'll, you know, the first thing I'll, I'll go ahead and answer your, your, your first question there about the, the battalion choice, you know, for one, I kind of have always hated the race towards the one drop um, because, you know, four out of the five players that I played, they all had one drop and I hate the idea of rolling off and having that be so impactful. And one of the ways that I found to get around that was Bastion. Um, to some degree, he can help kind of mitigate the pain of not getting to choose. And, and in some sense, it actually kind of forces the opponent to make a kind of a bad choice or, you know, in my mind, because um, almost everybody that gets the choice will take the first turn. Um, because what I do here is I'll put the, the long strikes right, right on the front line pointed right at, you know, one of their pretty targets that they don't want me to delete from the table, um, top of one. And so I know, you know, pretty much with a certainty that they're going to make me go first. And then I'm going to redeploy the long strikes in a safe position. And their first turn, they're not going to get a lot. Now, now this is somewhat matchup dependent, you know, like the Stormcast matchup, he didn't care. You know, he could get my long strikes wherever I, I put them. But, you know, a lot of people can't do that. And so I can actually threaten the long strikes with Bastion's redeploy. I can pull them back into a safe location. And now they're taking, you know, they're taking the first turn. They're probably not getting as much out of it as they'd hoped. And now the first double turn is me. And the last thing you want to see is a double turn with fulminators countercharging, long strikes double tapping. There's just a lot of carnage. Um, and so that's kind of my thought process behind not really playing the one drop, you know, the one drop game that everybody seems to. Um, and so I go, you know, I, and for that, I get the extra Holy Command, which I really love, Call for Aid. That can be really clutch. Um, I'll describe a little combo here in a minute that, that I really love. 
And then Hunters of the Heartlands is actually really nice for preventing those untimely roars. Because in this, you know, in this list, I've, you know, I'm taking that Castellant. And so I really like to stack all those armor buffs. And so if you're coming at me at Rin 2, Rin 3, and I really need every layer of that protection, then I, you know, I really don't want you to roar my fulminators so that I can't all out defense them, you know, because there's a pretty big difference between, you know, fulminators on a two up save or a three up save or a four up save. Um, or a one up or a one up save that I have to <laughs> suffer recently. I'm like, oh, you're a dick. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty easy to get that, you know, with the Castellan's buff, all out defense and a mystic shield, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty brutal. Um, so yeah, so that that's my that's my thought process on the battalions and how Bastion kind of helps me get away from the, um, the the battle regiment, the one drop. And like I said, it, it can, you know it did bite me in the ass one time. Can, can I just ask really quickly, right? Because one of the cool things with Bastion, right? You mentioned the the D three hammers of Sigmar units can redeploy, so you've automatically got one. You could spike up to three. If you roll hot, let's say you roll um, a three plus uh, and you have extra one or two extra units that could be redeployed, do you redeploy other units? What are good units to redeploy? Um, or do you just ignore it and you only go for the long strikes? Um, but obviously, it's I, match, match up dependent, right? I, I get it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, normally, when I'm doing my deployment, I I make sure that if I roll, only the one that I'll be okay. You know, I, I almost never gain, you know, bank on getting a two or three. Um, but at the same time, usually the only units that I'm worried about are the long strikes and the fulminators. Um, so usually I'll try to make sure that at least one of those units is in a position that I'm okay with. And then the other one I can be super aggressive with. Um, and then I know that, when they tell me that they're going to take first turn, which they almost always do, I can, you know, I can redeploy those units um, into a safe location. But um, normally the only, cause, cause the Arcanum and the Castellant, they have a lot of buffs. So that I usually want them central. So there's not usually a lot of point in redeploying them. Um, I'd say maybe Bastion is a good one to redeploy because he's really good on his own. Mm. Um, and so he's, you know, he's really good to put on a flank. Um, if I decide after I see all the, you know, see the, the battlefield and see everything, I'll be like, eh, well, maybe I, I want Bastion over here, but normally I just plan for that one, that one redeploy, just cause I don't want to get myself into a bad position. Um, something that I, um, I didn't appreciate on Bastion until it happened to me was, um, was the Thunderborn, uh, ability because, uh, I mentioned I've been playing Glyphs by Gits. Anyone who watches the channel in the past, they know I also play Suns. So when you roll those 35 dice against a Mega Gargant, or in the case that happened to me where I added plus five wound characteristic to my general, <laughs> so it was 40 wound general, he got to roll 40 dice, yep. and on a six, he do an immortal wound. And I remember in the first turn, before I'd even rolled the dice, between the long strikes and Bastion, my opponent almost killed my Kragnos. Like literally, like the, there was that much damage between the long strikes and the mortal wounds, plus like rolling the 18 dice against Craggy. 
it's such a that's a such a good ability. It's a yeah. really good ability. No, for, it's for where we're at currently in the game. It's especially yeah. It's a, I feel really bad. I I feel really bad playing Sons of Behemoth players with this list because I just feel kind of dirty because they just destroy those mega gargants. I I played one game at like a local tourney where the poor guy he you know he. I did the same thing I did, you know, normally do where I threaten the long strikes and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take first turn. I back up. He just kind of marches up the field. And then on my my response, I picked up two of his three mega gardens. Yeah, because, ba- you know, Bastion just nuked one of them. Then the long strikes double tapped and then the fulminators charged the other one. And yeah, and, and he was just like, yeah, that's game. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That is game. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, no. It's the... such a great combination. It's such a great little uh, combination between them, right? Because Bastion just works really well we are where we are at the meta right now. Just the amount of, you know, multi-wound big mm-hmm. monster heroes that are on really high armor saves and you need the mortal wounds. And the long strikes won't pull them down or at least it's going to take you a fair while. Bastion compl- complements that so well. Yeah, no, he's, he's really, really good for just zapping... Um, those big high wound models with that. And, and I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying is I, I, I love, I love Bastion's war scrolls so much because he's got, mm. you know, he's got the redeploy, which I'm, I'm leveraging a lot in this list. And that's just really fun to me. He's got that, you know, that big lightning strike Thunderborn ability, which is really fun and can be really clutch depending on your matchup. Um, he's got a, a free command, essentially a free command point every turn which is just outrageous. Um, I, I basically never run out of command points. I pretty much always have enough command points to do whatever I want with, which is amazing. That, that gives you so much freedom. Um, and then, you know, the last thing, which is what normally m- most people think of as the first thing, um, but the last thing in my mind is that the, he heals completely any phase that he kills a model, which is just can be really demoralizing um, when you throw them into a big unit of, of guys and they, you know, they chip off six wounds and then he just cleans up, you know, a bunch of dudes and then heals up all the way. Um, it's yeah, he's, he's, he's an excellent, like kind of tertiary unit, you know, the, you know, the fulminators and the, and the long strikes are kind of my primary damage dealers, but whatever that third target is, or that, that kind of that secondary battlefield, I just throw Bastion in there. And he's he's a really good combo because if you don't, if your opponent doesn't focus fire him, then he's just going to heal up, and yeah, they're but, just not going to make e- any progress. But even if you do focus fire on him, he's a base three up armor save, has a four up ward, and then goes on and heals it. Right, so so like if you do again the mystic shield or that defense, whatever that combination might be, if you you notice that you know he's going to be pulling you know, attacking the, the heroes, um, he's a tough nut to crack. Yeah, no, he, he, he really is. And I've had, <laughs> I had a really funny match um, where he basically scared off an entire army from the center of the battlefield. Cause I just layered, you know, I layered all of my armor buffs on him and I think I did, I even did finest hour. And so he was going to be on a two up save regardless of what they did. And he, he was, you know, due to some other stuff going on, he was like the only main piece I could put in the center of the table but my opponent was just like, yeah, there's just no, there's no winning here. If I charge him, he's just going to cleave my guys. 
I'm going to accomplish nothing. He's going to heal up. And so, yeah, he just backed off and there was just Bastion left alone in the center of the battlefield, you know, claiming it for his own. So it was pretty funny. A burning question I've got to you about your list before I get you to explain a little bit about your uh, your other two heroes mm-hmm. is I notice, you know, being a Stormkeep list, you don't have a uh, Lord Relictor. Um, yep. and, and that's off, that's often a very uh, common combination because, because you haven't got Signs of the Storm and you can drop down anywhere on the board. And Stormcast is traditionally a very slow-moving army. That that teleport from the Relictor is always very popular. What? Why didn't you take a Relictor? And did you notice that you really needed a teleport? Or is there any time that you thought, man, I need it? Or how did you kind of get around it? Um, so yeah, so that's a, a good question. And that's one of the one of the first questions anybody looks at or says when they're looking at my list is like, you know, where's the the, the de facto elector that everybody's taking. And, you know, that teleport is really, really good. But the 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 key to that question for me is the, the Lord Arcanama and the Griff Charger. Um, because he can teleport. Now, he can't teleport a unit. Um, but what I can do um, is if... You know, for, for one, he, he has the teleport, which still gives you about 50% of the functionality in my mind because it forces it forces them to always have to defend their objectives. They cannot just abandon an objective because now he can just teleport on it and claim it. And, you know, that's, you know, one of the most useful things of the teleport, in my opinion. And so he's he's accomplishing that. And if I really need more than just him, I can teleport him. I can throw the liberators into something that's going to mulch them up and then pop the call for aid and pop the, the, uh, the liberators back there. So I can actually sort of hack a teleport with the Arcanum and some liberators. Um, and if you look at the, like, and when I was, when I was doing the, you know, the brainstorming on the list, you know, I'm kind of looking at, do I really need that relictor? And I'm looking at the list. I'm like, well, what, you know, what do I really need it for? Most of the time, the Raptors don't need it because they're just their threat range is, ab, you know, absolutely insane. The Fulminators are generally fast enough to where they can get around the board. The Arcanum can teleport, and the Castellan pretty much stays in the middle to, to throw out his buffs anyway. So it's usually Liberators, maybe Bastion that you, mm. you that are kind of slow and kind of need that extra that extra movement. Um, but again, like I said, with with my my kind of my hack there, I can actually teleport a liberator unit if I really need to. Um, so it really just comes down to Bastion. And so what I what I have to do is make sure that I'm placing Bastion. Usually I place Bastion on one of the flanks right on the line, and he just you know kind kind of like Gotrek, you know he just first turn he just kind of runs up as far as possible, um, and and then. Then he's actually kind of in range, and he's you know he's a little faster than Gotrek. He has he has a movement of six actually, um, so that's you know that that's kind of my thought process there. The relic to teleport is you know it's undeniably strong, um, but I decided that I really didn't need it, um, and it's it's one of the clutch things that the 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 Griff Charger brings is you know if I really need that teleport, you know he can kind of he can kind of get me there if I need it. Um, yeah, I really dig the, I, I dig the Holy command, uh, call for aid combination because once you've, cause 
you're sitting there going, right, well, you know, I don't re I want to teleport a unit of liberators, for example, right? Like you probably don't want to, you don't want to teleport your Trakothian guard. You probably don't need to teleport your Vanguard Raptors unless you're trying to reposition them for some way. And I mentioned IDK is probably yeah. one of the, one of the only times that you want to be able to choose the battle, but do you construct a whole list just to respond to IDK's um, forgotten nightmares? Probably not. Um, but I do like this little cheeky combination that maybe people aren't thinking about because yeah, it's a good one. I like it. Yeah, no, the Griff, the Griff charger is funny. I got, I think out of my whole list, he was the only thing where people, um, people were like, Oh really? I didn't know that he could do that. You know, cause there was a lot of people that didn't realize he could teleport and he actually has a really good war scroll spell in the form of a heal, um, which can heal up to D six, which, can be really clutch if you've got like a fulminator sitting on five wounds or you know you've got a hero sitting on five or six wounds you know you throw that heal out there and all of a sudden my really really tanky you know units just got a bunch of healing um even even the um the cycle of the storm ability um can can be really really clutch just because again you know it it kind of combos with how defensive um all of my units are, you know, most of the time people think, well, one, one wound doesn't matter, but when it's the last wound on Bastion and he killed yeah. something and then they thought they were going to kill Bastion and now he's max, you know, max health again. Um, that's a lot of value. Um, and I even had one case where I had my long strikes, the matchup against Stormcast, the, you know, probably the one matchup that I was really, really worried about, you know, I put my long strikes in some cover, um, and they actually survived with one guy because of the Griff Charger. Um, he saved the last wound on him, and I was able to rally one. Um, so, and that's that's the thing, right? You know, if you can hold just one model, then you can use rally. Um, if it was, you know, if it's Bastion, for example, or another hero, you could use the heroic action to kind of heal up. If you had Emerald Life Swarm, you had Indrasa, you could bring models back. You know, there's so many different ways to kind of bring back your models from the dead. Um, and obviously your list doesn't have Indrasa, but, you know, there's a lot of different ways to kind of tap into that particular rule. So uh, I really like it a lot. And, and it was, a, you know, it was an, a, a way to get that that mount trait, that scintillating trail, which, you know, helps get, get off some of these spells because some of these spells are actually really, really useful. You know, Mystic Shield is, is crazy good now and his heal is, is really nice. And so that you combo combine, combine the scintillating trail with Master of Magic and now he's actually not that bad of a caster. I'm actually just looking it up. Like, what does it do? I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think which, I'm familiar. Which with one? It. Scintillating Trail. Yeah, Scintillating Trail. Um, it, uh, it reduces their dispel value by one. It's worded really weird. It's, it's, it's kind of like a plus one to cast, but not really. Um, it doesn't actually change the value by plus one, but it makes it, it reduces their dispel value by minus one. So it makes it, makes that, it makes it uh, harder to dispel. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing, but. You combo that it's with Master of Magic and, you know, it, it, it helps get off some of those clutch spells that, that you need, as long as you're not going up against, like, Teclas or a Slawn or something. 
So the Lord Arcanum on Griff Charter is bringing you to teleport. It's got a couple of really good, um, really good, a uh, couple of spells and abilities you can tap into. And, you know, we've, and obviously Master of Magic allows you to get some additional boosts for the reroll to the cast, which is going to be helpful. Is there anything else that the Lord Arcanum helps you with? Um, or do you want to tell me a bit more about the Lord Castellan or even just like how the rest of it all fits together? Um, no, that's pretty much it. I mean, it, he's, uh, he's, he is fast. So I'd say the other thing that he's bringing to the list is he's give, he's giving me another fast unit that, you know, if I really need um, to, to, you know, hop on a point or something that's, that's, that's far away. Um, or if I need to get to, um, for instance, there was some, uh, I was, I was, I was worried about getting to those long strikes and the only two units that could actually pin them down first I had the um, I had the Aether Wings run up, and then I actually sent the Griff Charger out there so the the Aether Wings could take the um, Unleash Hell, and then the Griff Charger could actually complete the charge, hopefully kill a couple of them, and more importantly, you know, prevent them from rallying and just keep them keep them locked down so they're not shooting other stuff. Um, so that's the other kind of so a lot of kind of a lot of little little flavor things that add up to you know more than the the some of the parts kind of thing yeah sure i mean like you know in in the game in, in the moment you know you're right like aether wings can be great to accept and unleash hell they could be a good screen because they're not going to give away broken ranks um they could be going up the board protecting the dracothian guard from being pinned potentially you know as a if you know if your opponents at the bay you know deployed you know defensively um there's a lot of great you know they could be in a, a great little objective score or sitting behind behind the board um there's obviously a lot of great little utility and parts in the moment um which is kind of why we're kind of unpacking this just to, to, to understand how you think about this and and what you're doing and if you don't have aether wings or if you don't want to run the aether wings well then you could look for something else that might have, play a similar role does your aether wings by the way combine with your long strikes or are you not taping uh, you know combining them um they, it, I kind of split it. So usually if, um, if I have need for them to kind of go on a flank and just kind of beeline it down that flank to compete for, uh, an, an objective that the opponent's just kind of ignoring, then I'll do that and not think twice about it and not worry about that plus one to, to hit from the, uh, for the Raptors. Um, if I don't really have a great role for them, then I'll usually just send them upfield, um, so that they're kind of in a good location to kind of dive out. And then as a kind of a, an aside, they're getting that extra plus one uh, to the, to the long strikes so that uh, I don't have to spend the command point to, to all out attack on them pretty much. Am I right to assume the Lord Castellan is there mainly for the plus one to the plus one to the save uh, warding lantern? Obviously you've given him an, an artifact and, you know, you've got another spell caster and a general support hero, but is that the prime reason you've dropped the Castellan in? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It's you know with Stormcast, they are one of the best beneficiaries of you know the the save stacking and having one that you can just hand out. You can always count on it. You don't have to worry about getting Mystic Shield off or um, all out defense or anything like that. And that extra plus one just can be oppressive to certain lists. I will say, one of the things that I learned about this list is that the Lord Castellant is fairly matchup dependent. 
um, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize just how common it was for armies to just dump out mortal wounds from just basic units. Like, you know, cause you know, the fire slayers book, like I didn't even, I didn't even see it before Adepticon. So I was kind of worried about, um, getting, getting kind of blindsided by fire slayers. And I actually ended up facing two fire slayers, um, at Adepticon and, they just they don't they didn't care at all about the Lord Castellan because they're either doing mortal wounds or they're not doing anything. Um and they could do a lot of mortal wounds. Um, you know, and I played um Lumineth Realm Lord. Pretty much all their stuff was coming from mortal wounds. Um so it was it was kind of funny because I I've I've had a lot of success with the Castellan going into um a lot of armies and he's he's just oppressive against certain matchups um but other matchups where 95 percent of their damage output is coming from mortal wounds you know he doesn't he doesn't matter quite as much so i, I mean you're kind of really forcing, good, but... you, of course you, you're obviously forcing our hand the reason we're going into mortal wounds is because you got a whole bunch of two up armor saves right so yep. you're kind of forcing us to find you because know, like half my army like half my army are a bunch of idiots who'd like rend minus one or rend minus two and when I go into that, you know, those that unit of Forminators who are on a, a two up or a one up save and essentially ignoring my rend, and what have they got? Six wounds a piece. Like to pull yep. them down without mortal wounds is ridiculously hard. Really yeah. hard. Yeah. Most people, it, the funny thing about the Fulminator, like everybody, everybody knows how much damage those Fulminators can do on the charge. But a lot of people don't quite respect how tanky they are. When you throw, you know, the, you throw that warding lantern on there, throw a mystic shield on there, and then all out defense them. Like you're not killing them unless you have mortal wounds. Like I don't care what your rend is, you you need mortal wounds, or they are just never gonna die. So with your newfound uh, knowledge of mortal wound, you clearly know a bit more. I'm, I'm only teasing you, but like now that now that you know, you are seeing more and more mortal wounds. Do you still stand by your choice of the Lord Castellan, or moving into future iterations? Would you consider bringing in that uh, Lord Relictor? Would you bring in some some other type of support hero um, because you, maybe you don't need the plus one as much? Um, I don't. I still think I like the Lord Castellan more. Um, again, there's just you know there's some matchups like War Clans. You know, I saw a lot of War Clans and. They can do a lot of damage, but the Castellan kind of makes it to where I don't really care anymore um, because it's all, you know, it's all Rend 1, Rend 2. And so I don't really care if you're just throwing a bucket of attacks with a bunch of damage because of your War Chanter. None of them are going to get through my 2-up save. Um, and so I think there's certain matchups where he still gets a ton of value. I think, you know, the Relictor is really, really good. Um and that's probably what I would take if I dropped the Castellant. Um, but like I said, the, the, the Griff Charger gives me just enough of that teleport ability to where I don't think I need. So to answer your question, probably what I would do is if I, if I dropped the Castellant and added a Relictor, then I would probably reevaluate the Griff Charger uh, because now that teleport isn't so unique in the list anymore. Um, and so I would probably drop the Griff Charger and see what I can do um, with those couple extra hundred points. 
And obviously not that I'm trying to convince you to change your list, but it's more about now that we're kind of, and the meta is constantly evolving. So, you know, what will you face? You know, are we going to see more bodies on the table? Uh, you know, things, probably example, we're seeing a lot more soul blight now. And as you mentioned, a lot more iron jaws and Nurgle. Nurgle is really starting to kind of rise to the top. People are, people are starting to kind of crack the science and they're starting to build that in. And that durability. So how do I respond to Nurgle? All of us are thinking about that, right? So um, it's just a consideration. I think still right now you don't want to you don't want to focus into one particular attack, right? You could look for all of the ward saves in the world. The minute you come up against armies that have high rend, you got nothing. So I think it's good to have a bit of both. And given that your spellcasters aren't the greatest, it's not like you've got really strong spellcasts. I love the fact that this is coming for an ability as opposed to a spell. So if Mystic Shield fails. You've still got the Warden Lantern. You've still got all that defense. And obviously you've protected yourself with uh, Hunters of the Heartland so that you can't be roared at, which means you can still do your all that defense. Yeah, I would, I, would be, I would be really worried about facing a monster in the, next, um, in the next season when Hunters of the Heartland presumably goes away. You know, if I, if I lose that, so now I can be roared, so I can't get all out defense. If I drop the Castellan, well, now... You know what am I? I'm banking on Mystic Shield, and that's it. You know, so no, I I think the Castellan's still really really good. I'm just I'm I guess I didn't quite fully appreciate how many entire lists are out there that can just every single unit does damage almost exclusively through Mortal Wounds. Um, and, and I knew they were out there. I just I at this at this Adepticon, I kind of got beat in the face with several lists where it's like. Nah, all of our damage is coming from mortal wounds, and we don't really give a shit that you're at a two-up save, you know. Yeah, and this is kind of goes back to at the start of the show when we're talking about Storm Drake Guard and Storm Drake Guard giving away um, the priority target. You know, if you happen to kill it, you're gonna get bonus points as well as the monster points, and the fact that they're mortal wounds. Yeah, they've got some good, you know, attacks in combat, but they're mortal wounds from their breath attacks are short range and inconsistent. So. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's a it's a really interesting one. A great place to be in right now. That's why I love Age of Sigma with the scissor paper rock. It's not you know one particular faction dominates. It's really you know it's 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 hard hard matchups and it's hard decisions throughout because you just never know at a tournament. Yeah, you got you know you got your Dracothian guard and you got your your Vanguard Raptors. We know what they do. We know what they're doing. Is there anything that you'd call out specifically around maybe not necessarily what they are, but what, how you use them or why you use them when it comes to maybe some of these more obvious choices? Um, I mean, like I said, I think probably the only thing that I would say that's maybe a little bit of a wrinkle is just just how tanky those those Fulminators are with the combination of the Castellant. Um, a lot of people are expecting those Fulminators to hurt on the charge, but a lot of times I'll use them sort of as kind of a hammer and anvil unit wrapped in one where it's like, yeah, they can, they can deliver that punch. But what I'm really wanting is them to just kind of sit there and not die. Um, yeah. You know, for instance, there was that, that fire slayers matchup um, where I out, I outdrap my opponent and I, I went aggressive, you know, I actually just threw my fulminators into his big unit of, um, what are they berserkers the bulkite berserkers i think yeah um you know and i and i knew that he was going to chew them up 
but I knew that some was gonna, some of them were going to survive. I did the, the math quick in my head and I, I should have lost two and I ended up losing three, which sort of threw a little bit of a wrench, but that one, you know, even that one fulminator, you know, I threw all my buffs on him. I think I healed him once and, you know, he kind of just sat there and tanked that big 15 man unit for like a couple of turns. And that, you know, that's all that time is time that he's not contesting the objectives with that big, you know, hard to kill unit. Yeah. The best time I've ever had against Fulminators is when I ran Marathi into them because then <laughs> I tank, I take the tanks. I'm like, cool, bro. Yep. I got three. You can only take three wounds. I'll yeah. just tie you up. No, I hate, I hate, I hate Marathi. It's, 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 it's especially worse when you have the big Marathi into something and the baby Marathi into something and it's tying both units up and they're both doing nothing. <laughs> that's, that's the worst. Cause then you just have to retreat and hope that you get the double turn basically. How do you, how do you get the most out of Fulminators given that they have a big target on their head? Like people know what they do and the minute they see it, Vanguard Raptors and Fulminators are always a priority for your opponent to kill. They'll put, they'll put a lot of focus to get rid of them. And now you're giving up, give away extra VP when, when, when it happens. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of, you kind of just play into it. Honestly, is I, I, I know my opponent knows what they do. I know my opponent is going to put a lot of effort onto them. And I kind of just accept that. And I say, okay, well, the fulminators are going to go do what fulminators do, but I'm going to kind of step back and I'm going to make sure that Bastion is sneaking up this flank and just completely taking out their chaff and, and the objectives. And all my liberators are just going to quietly sit on the points and start, you know, racking up all those victory points while the opponent is, you know, laser focused on these fulminators that are right in the middle of their face, um, you know, wrecking havoc like they're going to do. Um, and you just kind of, you know, again, you kind of just use that knowledge that your opponent is going to focus on them and try and take them away from the objectives and say, okay, well, I'm going to focus on this side of the battlefield. You're going to have to come over here to deal with them. And I'm just slowly going to be, you know, racking up these objective or these victory points behind while you're, you know, while you're dealing with the fulminators, which are even harder to kill than normal because they're, you know, they've got that warding lantern on them from the Castellan. I think it makes it tough as well, right? As an opponent, I've got Bastion, I've got Long Strikes, I've got Fulminators, and I've got your things that are scoring objectives, your Liberators. Where do I focus my attacks? How do I project my power? And the amount of focus I need to pull down one of those units, it's not like I can just chip, like, you know, against other factions, I can just chip away at units and eventually the attrition will will, will take, take it over by turn three. But with you, it's almost like the undead strategy where I've got to like literally focus everything I can to bring it down because I can't leave it with one or two because things will grow back. Things will, you can still take advantage, especially you mentioned the Holy Command. You can bring things back. You have, you know, I, I had a game. I mentioned this on another stream. Um, I had a game against four um, uh, Fulminators. The Jerkwad rolled like, three three sixes on his rally and brought a unit of one back to unit of four those things yeah. happen those things happen you can't, yeah that's brutal you can't, you can't not let this one one idiot run around because that can happen and then i'm back to square one even even rallying one fulminator is just so brutal i mean i i had i think i had 
two, I lost two fulminators one time. And just for, you know, just because I have Bastion, I have the extra command points. I'm like, sure, you know, I'll try and rally, rally these guys before they charge in. And yeah, I just rolled a six. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's huge. That's so huge to get one extra fulminator in there after you did all that work to kill it. Yeah. Yeah, at least the rules have changed now because I think this is before uh, when you could when you could rally in. No, 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 ignore that. I was thinking of another different rule set. Um, but Chase asked an interesting question. I was partially thinking about Chase's question. Um, why call for aid as opposed to steadfast advance? Now, I think you've already talked a bit about the call to aid side, and I think some really good magic there. But thoughts on something like steadfast advance instead to help the formulators? So I, I initially, I took Steadfast Advance um, because, again, you know, I love my Fulminators. But the, the critical part there is that you cannot Steadfast Advance and get the auto sticks on the run because they're both command abilities. And so the usefulness of that run and charge dwindles a lot when you're when you're basically just rolling the dice and hoping that you get what you want. So I think if, if I could do both of those, if I could run in charge and auto six, the run, I would definitely take it. Um, but because you can't, that just, that's a lot of variability and I, it's just the call for aid is, is really, really useful as well. Um, and so I, I ended up going, going for the call for aid instead of sit fast advance. Imagine Forminators being able to run and charge and auto advance six. Yeah, no, it would be, it would be gross. It would be really gross. But with the, oh. you know, with the die, I, I mean, I still don't think it's a bad choice. Um, I think with the Fulminators, it, it gives them that extra threat and, and, and it kind of makes your opponent think twice. It's like, okay, well, if he runs and charges, you know, that's six extra inches. That's, that's, that's a lot of threat range. Um, and so that could really play some tricks on your opponent. But um, ultimately, I just decided that I didn't want to bank on that variability. And I got enough use out of call for aid um, that that I, I wanted to go with that. It's just like, like I said previously, the you know, the liberators are surprisingly tanky, especially in this list. And, the, you know, they count for three models a piece. And so it, it's pretty demoralizing when your opponent, you know, kills them. And then I'm just like, oh, I'll spend a command point and they're back. And you have still, I mean, I've, one of the, one of the sort of oppressive, and I, I do worry about this from my MPE when I'm playing, not, you know, not at a big GT is, um, I play a lot of matches where at the end of the day, I didn't lose any units. You know, I'm almost tabling my opponent and, you know, they didn't kill anything because the only liberator unit that they did actually manage to pick up. I just brought back from, you know, with call for aid. Um, and it's just, it's really hard to get units off the table in this list. So how, how are you doing that? So, and obviously, again, we're talking at a very competitive level here, folks. Like you don't have to go out and, and uh, crush your your enemies at your local one day and make them to cry. Like, you know, you can always pull back on certain things, maybe bring concussors as opposed to forminators at your next local store event. But how is it that you're doing that? Like, talk me through how you can go through a game without really losing a model. Like, what does it look like? Um, a lot of times, like I said, for, you know, and, and a part of it is that, you know, that cheeky Bastion redeploy is I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put, the, I'll put the, the long strikes in a really threatening position. 
my opponent's like, oh man, I don't want to lose this key unit. So I'll make, you know, I'll go first. And then I, I, I redeploy. And when I redeploy, all of a sudden, they don't have really any good targets, you know, because, you know, the fulminators are safe, the long strikes are safe. And so the only thing they can really reach is like Bastion. Usually I deploy him in cover. Um, and because usually it's pretty easy to find some cover for a single model. And then the Liberators, you know, so pretty much the only thing they can really reach are the Liberators. And like I said, you know, that first Liberator unit that you actually managed to kill, I can just bring it back. And it, usually the you know, usually the matches that are really, really lopsided are the ones where I get that double turn um, just because, you know, some people just can't take three. You know, you're talking about three volleys from the long strikes and fulminators on the charge potentially two of them because if they, if they just go in and destroy their first unit, I get the double turn. Now they just turn and, and they torpedo another yeah. unit. You know, that's, you know, that's just a lot of firepower. Um, and it's, like I said, it's mostly when I get the double turn, but I, I get a lot of double turns because, um, you know, everybody's taking the one drop. I, I do the redeploy trick with Bastion and, they end up not getting a lot of value out of that first turn, which that's, that's kind of always been one of my concerns about taking first turn is if you don't get a lot of value out of that first turn, then you can really pay for it when they get that priority role on the first, you know, on the first time. Two, two follow-up questions. One, how do you protect yourself against the double turn? Because this is probably one of the things that I see often when I'm talking, especially in, in, you know, in discord and people's frustrations with the double turn, they're like, you know, I'm really good at being offensive, but when that dice roll doesn't go my way, you know, I, I feel like it's good game. You know, I've, I've, I've ruined myself, you know, things like that. So given that you've said that, you know, you can win so many games with the, with the double turn, how do you protect yourself? So you don't get tabled. Um, well, so like I said, the first, you know, one of the things is not giving your opponent the ability to strike anything on the first turn, you know, that's, that's really critical. You know, in some lists you can't do that. You know, the, the like I said, the mirror match, there's just really no hiding from long strikes, unfortunately, that are teleporting around the, the table, but you know, against a lot of more standard armies that kind of have to slog up to you and, you know, and go through your chaff, which liberators make really good chaff. Um, it's it's hard to really get those critical units off the table quickly for the opponent. Um, and, and in this list in particular, I can be kind of aggressive without paying for it too much because I know that I'm I will be the first. I will get the first double turn almost every time, and so I don't necessarily have to think about well, am I overextending myself? Um, because I know that I'm going to get the first double turn. And then by the time my opponent gets the opportunity to double turn me back, usually the battlefield is just kind of decimated and it's harder for them to really capitalize and make you pay for that if you've already gotten the opportunity to double turn them. Um, but generally, I think I put myself in position. And, and again, in this list, it's it's really nice because I have the warding lantern. And so if I'm, if I'm worried about kind of a counter punch, you know, if I, if generally I don't count on the double turn, obviously. And so I'm counting on a counter punch. 
And so the, you know, the warding lantern helps that out a lot. If I'm putting, if I'm putting Bastion in a, in a, in a dangerous place, I know I've got finest hour. Um, and again, it's easy to put a single model into some cover. Um, liberators sitting in cover hold points, you know, really, really well. Um, so it's, it's mostly, it's mostly the, you know, relying on that armor save, leveraging it with warning lantern and the terrain. Um, and then that, that hammers a Sigmar, um, six up ward, make sure, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm within 12 of the objectives so that I've got that extra little bit of a blade of protection there. Um, so are you finding that people give you, they go first against you and you're going second in the first battle round? Is that what's what I'm hearing? Uh, almost without a doubt. I, I mean, there are some matchups because most of the time people, because really the only way to avoid me hitting something you care about is to either have everything that you care about off the field or deployed on the back table edge. And if you don't have access to deploying off the battlefield, usually putting stuff on the back table edge really puts you in a bad spot because things mm. are far from where they need to be. Um, and so usually when people try to do that, they're just like, well, I can't afford to do this. And so they kind of just sigh and, and put the, put the units within range of the long strikes. And then they're like, okay, well, I can't afford for him to just double tap those long strikes into a unit that I need. And so I'll just, I'll just take that first turn and then, you know, good players know that I'm just going to redeploy, but they usually analyze it and decide that, um, the alternative is worse pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously it goes your way. You take advantage. If you doesn't go your way, then you haven't lost too much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the benefits of, of Stormcast being so tanky um, yeah. is that it's, 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 it's usually hard to just pick up units. And, you know, the, I think the one weakness is those long strikes. If, if I'm going up against somebody that can reach the long strikes, then things get a lot more dicey. Yeah, that was that was probably what I found in one of my last games was um, it was all about getting, like, you know, I was running Suns, right? So I could move up the board and I knew that I, you're not going to pull down a Mega Gargan with long strikes, even with Holy Command. Like he's going to take the Forminators and, and Bastion to kind of pull it down. But it's about that focus fire. I was throwing rocks. I was doing the best thing possible to take out those long strikes because otherwise I don't get tied up in the middle of the board you're just going to pop me, pop me, pop me while I'm trying to fight through a really tough combat, whether you're on the objective or I'm with, you know, multi-wound forminators um, while the long strikes are just kind of like, so the longer you can pin somebody in um, and then Bastion's obviously doing the mortal wounds. Um, yeah. No, the long really strikes, if, if you can't pick up the long strikes, then I'm just going to table you. Um, and so you've, you've kind of have to have an answer to the long strikes, whether that's your own ranged, or it's some sort of teleports or something. Um, and what I've learned as well is if you can't do that, then taking out the liberators and try and not just kill one unit, like kill all of the liberate units. Cause yeah, you can bring one back, but no one else is really scoring on the objective. So you play the objective game and you don't try to force your hand too much with the, uh, the long strikes. At least that's what I found. Yeah, no, I think that, I think you're exactly right. And that, you know, that's one of the reasons I really like the storm keep is it helps it helps me compete for those objectives that much better. Um, but if you can't, you know, if you can't get to the long strikes, 
taking out all the liberators because once you take out all the liberators, like my, my, my model count is just so low that it's so easy to just capture those points. And there's not really anything I can do about it other than try and table you basically at that point. Correct. Yeah. Like, like I'm looking at your list again, like I bring it up for anyone who might've joined late. Like when I look at this list and if I pull down the three units of five liberators, the stormcast players, I guess, think about how you're protecting your libs and, you know, anyone who doesn't play stormcast listening for the tricks you know, pulling down those units of liberators and all of them, not just one, there's, there's no bodies. Your long strikes aren't going in the middle of the board to kind of hold an objective. Everyone else is really like one, your Drakothian guard are what, eight? They count, yeah. so they count on, they don't count a lot on the objective. So no, at that point, at that it. point, the only hope I have is I, I have to table you. And the, yeah, the good, correct. the good thing is that fulminators and long strikes do a lot of damage. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, they have to do that damage quick enough to, you know, to, to make sure that I'm not getting too far behind in the, you know, the points game. And that was going to be the other side is that then it's just me racking up points and holding out as much as possible. And hopefully at the end of it, the uh, the, the gap is. And, and now that, the, again, the priority targets can't kind of come into play, yep. then maybe the gap will be too big by the time. And lib, libs obviously don't give, away, give it away, but it becomes hard to chase. Any thoughts on the incarnate? So we're on like 24 hours after the everyone's released their content around the incarnate of Gur. Would you consider getting the uh, Cronspine? Uh, I don't think so. Price aside, price aside. We're not talking price. We're talking at the unit. <laughs> um, no, I, th I, I think it's, it's an interesting unit. I think it's probably going to be most interesting to armies that don't have access to things like monsters natively you know if if you're just desperately in, in in need of a monster um then i guess this gives you access to one where you didn't have one previously um so that could be good um to me i don't you know what you know one of the things is it it eats endless spells right but i'm i'm not overly concerned about endless spells right now um, and it seems like it's kind of, it could be a little bit of a liability, um, if your wizard gets sniped now, um, doesn't it like go crazy or something? I'm a little, I, I'm not sure if I've actually seen all of the that's, rules, but that's right. Yeah. Like I, 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 I was just curious if you'd had, and obviously you haven't had some proper time to think about it. You know, it's 400 points. It, it's a good combat monster, has some good, um, good, some good rend and some good damage, especially like a lot of attacks. Um, if, if it goes crazy, look, if you're, as long as you're outside of three inches from it, you're okay. Just don't be within three inches when it goes into wild form. But, okay. Um, it could complement your Dracothian guard quite well. If, if you were to drop, let's say the Lord Arcanum and then found an extra 200 points somewhere, um, they could be a nice little power combo in the middle of the board. But I guess the question is where do the points come from? So, you know. Yeah, I mean Question. that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of points. Um, yeah, four hundred points. So it's, it's one fifth of your list, right? So it is a big points investment. Would I drop? Would I drop Jacothian Guard for for this? Probably not. Yeah. Um, and you, you is it? It is. Do you have to summon it like via a spell, no. or does it actually start no. on the table? 
it starts on the table. It's bonded to a hero that's not named. It's like an enhancement, right? So okay. one of the cool things that long strikes are going to be able to do is if your opponent has the incarnate set up, you pop the um, the the bonded hero, and mm -hmm. um, then it's a bit wild. So you lose a couple of abilities. It becomes a you know you can't issue commands to it. But the long strikes have the ability to because you can't put on a named hero. It's purely so most most heroes are like their their basic generic long strike can kill them yeah but but something to keep in mind if you're looking for more of a combat monster because you don't really have the combat monsters in stormcast they're not native to you i mean you can get them through through some things but you don't have the terror guys you don't have this big just rip you apart yeah no no that yeah that is, that is true um i think pretty much the only monster because I, I was you know i was toying around with um, trying to fit in a monster into this list just so that I had access to, you know, the monsters rampages. I had the ability to get those extra uh, uh, victory points for completing some of the um, battle tactics with a monster. Um, and so I was kind of thinking about the Tarlon. Um, it gives you some good utility, um, but I, I ended up not going with that. Well, if you're going to go 400 points, you know, that's that's a Phoenix, right? That's the anointed on Frost Phoenix, right? So, mm -hmm. again, when we start playing with those points, you know, it's it's pros and cons. And maybe maybe the durability is better from a Frost Heart Phoenix. And, again, it synergizes well with Stormkeep, being that it is a Storm Cut. Well, it'll, it's a coalition unit to you. But, you know, you've got, yeah, yes, Chase, you've got Storm Drakes. But would I call it an absolute terror guys? No, no, it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Star Drakes are not that scary in combat. I wish yes. they. I wish they were. I wish they yes, were. Jer yes, Jerome. Yes, you've got Gotrek. Yes, yes, also. Gotrek. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I. I will. I will say that I. I gave my opponent a little bit of a cheeky look when um, he scored two extra victory points for picking up my Fulminators with Gotrek. <laughs> it's like. Really? Because Gotrek is ridiculous. He is just a blender. Um, I would not call him a a you know pushover piece at all. But he got two extra victory points for killing my Fulminators in a single round of combat. Well, it happened to me as I mentioned with um, Kragnos in Gloomspite Gits, killing a double a reinforced unit of bow snakes. I got a whole heap of extra points being a, a, a prime hunter as well as killing priority <laughs> targets that were reinforced. I think it was like an extra five victory points. Just from yeah. that one combat alone yeah no those those can add up really quickly yeah because then i killed marathi the next turn with scragrot <laughs> so like it's even better oh, but man. like what would what would think i'm gonna wrap this up so i'll ask you a couple of like closing questions and uh, i know it's getting late for you and um and I, I, obviously you know you've got a great list um and you know you've got some really good things in there but also some interesting things like you don't see the lord arcanum very often you know, you've brought in the Aether Wings, which is great. Um, I think, you know, the the 2D Knight Hereldor, you know, you could lean into so many different things, right? You're like, I want to I want to get more run and charge stuff or I want to get more movement shenanigans. Well, we've talked about the call to act. We, we've talked about, sorry, the Steadfast Advance. You could go um, 2D McToot or there. I'm sure there are other ways to get No, no, the, the Heralder. I, I lose it. I loved the Heralder and they took that away from him. They neutered the poor oh. Heralder. I, am, I was so sad about that. The Heralder would be in this list if he if he still did that. Uh, yeah, that's right. He still toots on the terrain, but he's lost he still, the, the yeah. Which the the terrain thing was really nice, but if I had to pick, I would have rather had the run and charge. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, like poor old Silverdeath who are not doing very well in the meta. Like you don't <laughs> have to worry too much about the terrain pieces. But um something that I was always leaning into a lot with the um with Hallowed Knights was I was really enjoying leaning into some of the other stuff. Like, yeah, you've got Gardas, but also things like Praetors. I was actually surprised by being able to bodyguard with Praetors to be able to pass off wounds to to the unit. They've got a potential, like a weird ward rule. Um, so that combines quite well. You know, there's lots of different ways you can lean into all this stuff. But going back to the question I was trying to ask you was, um, what were the keys to your successes at Adepticon? Um, I think I'll finally look at my notes here that uh, I, I wrote up just because I want to make sure that I, I give you a somewhat thoughtful answer here. Um, you just rolled more sixes is basically what you've written. I So I, I, I will preface this by saying I, this was the most um, uh, luck I've had at a GT. So luck definitely helps. Um, Which is I true think... for everyone. Any, winning a tournament is is skill, it's practice, and it's luck. Like yeah. anyone who wins a GT and says they didn't have luck on their side is lying through their teeth. Like the, yeah. the matchups, there's been plenty of times where it's like, I played the right opponent just on the wrong battle plan or the timing is just off. And there's just little things where like there's been times where I've played the top faction three out of five games. There's been times where I've completely avoided them. So mm -hmm. luck is absolutely a key important part. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I'd say as far as, you know, some of my keys to it, to, to victory, I think one of the things was I, I identified the, the key targets and the bad matchups um, really well and answered them. So for instance, one of, one of the, the things that I was really worried about, so I played um, IDK um, and he had two units of the two sharks, right? And I was very concerned about um, those picking up long strikes, right? Cause those, that's, that's exactly the sort of unit that, especially since now they, they basically just ignore my shooting on the first turn. Right. Um, and so I, what I really didn't want to see happen was those sharks come over and just pick up my, my long strikes. And, and so what I ended up doing was, um, you know, I, I put them somewhere in the middle of the field. He, you know, he dropped his sharks and then I redeployed them all the way on the other flank. And I kind of just left the entire left flank of the battlefield, um, void except for i think i had like bastion and like a unit of liberators and the eighth wings so nothing of importance but that was the only thing that was on the left flank and he also only had those sharks on the left flank and so if he wanted to pull those over to the long strikes not only was it going to take two turns but he was going to have to leave that entire flank of the battlefield completely barren um and so that was kind of one of the things that I quickly recognized what the, bad, what the really bad matchup was going to be. And I came up with a strategy that I was hoping would um, solve it. And, you know, it ended up, ended up working because he, he ended up rather than kind of completely pulling the sharks over to, to actually take out the target. I didn't want them to, he kind of just, um, you know, fed him into the left flank of the battlefield. And it, I think it, the scenario was the one where um, it's the old star strike one where the, the, objectives can kind of come yeah, down yeah, randomly yeah. and so you know he didn't he didn't want to just completely abandon that side of the battlefield and then have the objectives land there um 
so that was, you know, that was one thing that I, I thought I did really well. Can I just pause um, you, just pause you on that one really quickly sure. for somebody who doesn't know how to read the field, right? Cause you mentioned, you know, uh, it was important for you to prioritize certain targets and, you know, make the right decisions. Do you have any advice on how somebody could get to that point? Um, I would say, I think what helps me the most is to put yourself, put yourself in, in your opponent's shoes and look at your army and say, okay, if I was facing my own army, what would I want to take out first? You know, what do I really, you know, what's vulnerable? What are the key pieces that I really need to hold on to? So, you know, obviously in this list, you know, the long strikes are, are, are number one. I need to make sure that they're safe and that they're out of reach of everything. Um, and so then that kind of presents itself with like, okay, well, I put myself in their opponent in the opponent's shoes. They want to kill my long strikes. What do they have that could actually accomplish that? You know, something that has the range and the mobility. And then once you narrow that down, now you're like, okay, well, what can I do about that? Can I, can I kill that unit? Can I neuter that unit? Can I distract it? Um, you know, what, what sort of, of things, you know, another thing that I, I like to do, I didn't really get to do it much against um, this lineup just because of, of the matchups. Um, but with the um, Castellant in there, I can stack all those armor buffs. And so one of the prime things I look for is where is my opponent's mortal wounds coming from? You know, if it's coming from one or two key pieces, you know, one or two key units, well, now if I can take those out of the battlefield, off the battlefield, well, now my opponent's really going to struggle to kill anything. Um, so, yeah, so that, I guess that that's, that's, you know, that's what I would say um, for people that are trying to, trying to analyze the pieces on the battlefield. Um, uh, and I think that's, and, and that, that can be quite challenging, right? Because as a newer player or someone who's growing with their experience, it takes a while for you to know your own faction and then know your opponent's faction some of it can come up with questions you ask at the top. You could be like, you know, hey, Matthew, can you tell me who does mortal wounds in your army? What's the range of those mortal wounds? And even if you don't know somebody's army and, you know, we're not all encyclopedias, you know, you can you can ask the questions at the start of the game. They go, right, who does mortal wounds? What's the range? Are they spells? Are they abilities? Are they, you know, triggering on sixes on something? Um, and I, I love the fact that you work backwards. You go, right, well, I need to protect my... Uh, Lord Castellan in this because I need the plus one. Who can touch? Who can reach out and touch the Lord Castellan? And you work backwards so you then start identifying your targets because each battle will be different. Each battle plan will be different. When there are five objectives on the table, you the the, the prioritization of liberators might be a little bit higher. Otherwise, you'll lose the objective game. But when you're fighting over two or three, different story. Right. Yeah. And, and I will say another thing, one thing I love about this community and, you know, Adepticon, it was no, it was no different is that um, I, I don't, I don't want to catch anybody off guard with some sneaky rule. You know, I, that's not how I want to win and, you know, vice versa. Most people seem to be of the same mindset. And so a lot of times, you know, in, in Adepticon, it, it actually happened a lot because, you know, I played two fire slayers and a Deepkin. And those were books that I just hadn't had the time to really look at. And so I just asked my opponent straight up. I'm like, you know, I'm not that familiar with your new book. Can you spend five minutes and run me through, 
you know, all of the highlights, you know, what are the key, you know, what's your threat ranges? What are, what are dangerous? Like, I don't even need you to tell me what the, you know, the stat line is just say, you know, this guy hits really hard at range. This guy's really scary in combat. This guy's really hard to kill. Like that's enough information for me to kind of piece together what a battle plan is, you know? And like, for me, usually I don't have to do that with this list because everybody's so familiar with fulminators and long strikes, but I always, you know, I always take care to make sure that everybody knows exactly what Bastion does. You know, I make sure that they know that he's going to redeploy and he does the lightning thing and he heals at the end of combat. And, you know, I'm, you know, I always said that the Arcanum could, could teleport. Um, Cause that's stuff that you really need to know. Um, you know, stuff, you know, can stuff run in charge, you know, what's threat rangers are like, what does mortal wounds, you know, so just these kind of, I think this like 10 minute powwow session at the beginning of the match where you kind of, you know, you kind of lay your cards on the table to a certain degree and say, you know, this is what my army does, you know, and this is what you can kind of expect. And so we're kind of starting from a, from the same place, you know, so to speak. Yeah, I um I put together I put together a video 12 months ago that I'd highly recommend anyone go check out with some of the most common questions I ask at the tabletop. You know, if you find yourself just the five critical questions you're gonna ask is how many drops are you? What's your th- like what's what's the longest th- shooting range you've got? Can you teleport? Can you summon? Like, you know, find mm-hmm. those five or six questions you ask every opponent you'll you'll make better decisions. Um because nobody is expected to know like the it's like over probably a thousand war scrolls. There's like yeah, there's there's, there's and... too much. Yeah, there's too much stuff to know. All the different armies with all their different allegiances, and you know, and a lot of times people will find some like weird little combination of like this artifact with this allegiance ability with this ally or something, and they have this combination that is you know can do some stuff that you're not ready for, and yeah, so it's it's hard to know everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, was there any armies that you didn't want to face, like you were hoping to avoid if possible? Um, I, I really didn't want to see the mirror match. Um, I, I was, I was actually more worried about the teleporting long strikes than I was the storm Drake guard. Um, I actually thought I had a relatively good answer for storm Drake guard, um, or at least a, a battle plan. Um, but those teleporting long strikes, there was just, I knew that that was kind of the one thing that I really need. I really should have taken Skyons to answer that, but I just didn't want to. Um, and so I didn't want to see that. I, the cities of Sigmar with, you know, four storm Drake guard and four fulminators coming from the sides and charging the living, the, the living city list. Yeah. The living city list that I think, you know, that w- could have been really scary. Um, I had some thoughts on that as well. Um, and then the, and then the new books, I just didn't know what to expect. Um, like, you know, I saw a lot of Nurgle and I just, I was not very familiar with Nurgle, Fire Slayers, Deepkin. Um, but thankfully, you know, thankfully my opponents were, were pretty, um, you know, they were great sports and they kind of walked me through and they're like, you know, this is what this does. This is what this does. I got to, I got to learn about how silly Fire Slayers, um, rallying on a four up can be, um, those, oh, those, yeah. those Volkite Berserkers are so hard to kill. And then he just, you know, then he, then you just retreat them and then rally almost back to full strength. I'm a, I'm a little bit worried that um, that Battlesmith doesn't get FAQ'd to be keyworded because if you can ally in a um, Battlesmith 
and do rally on a four up and bring back Dracothian guard on a four up, if that is not clarified at FAQ, that's going to be 100, 150 odd points. I could see you dropping the Lord Castellan in oh, yeah. seconds just to get that Battlesmith in because um, like four that's, up rally. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's just nuts. It's, it's, I, I would almost not take that just because it's so gross. Oh, yeah, but it's just so good. Like, it's, you know, it's essentially if three go down, you're probably bringing back two on a, a command point. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 probably the game because those Fulminators are so hard to kill. Um, you know, if they get it down to one guy and then it goes back to three, that, I mean, that's just so much effort that your opponent put into killing those three Fulminators that they, you know, that's, 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 that's the game. I mean, honestly, nine out of ten times, if you rally, you know, two fulminators back, that's hard to recover from. Two more questions. Um, do you have any favorite cheeky combinations or unit synergies that maybe we didn't talk about in this particular list? Like, is there any other, even outside of your list, like in Stormcast? Because I think one other part that I want to talk to towards the end is what Jerome mentioned, which is, you know, we are seeing a lot of common lists in Stormcast. You've got the Liberators, you've got the Tracothian Guard, you've got the Vindictors, you've got your Storm Drake Guard with the um, the Knight Draconis. You know, there's a lot of commonality in the tournament list. Yes, there's a couple of different structures, but there are common units across the board. And I'd be curious to find out if there are other units outside of what you've selected that maybe is worth considering or worth exploring. But, Yeah. Um, there's, there's definitely a list that I'd like to run. I don't think it would be super competitive, but I think it would be kind of fun. Um, and basically it would, it would kind of leverage the storm keep, um, focus on the redeemers. And I think you take like Vandis Hammerhand um, cause he actually can buff their attacks. Um, and then you just max out a unit of like 15 Vindictors, um, and then you just make them super tanky. You probably take the uh, uh, the Castellan to throw them the armor buffs. Maybe take um, Life Swarm. Maybe Indrasta. Just just to keep, kind of really double down on making them really tanky. Make and so you kind of end up getting this kind of Soulblight Grave Lord sort of feel where you've got this you know this tanky somewhat kill a unit of Vindictors um, that is just so hard to kill. Um, that you just you just can't punch through it, um, and I I, I can't he, remember what Vandas does, but he, I think he doesn't. He, he gives him a pretty big. Back... Go go on, sorry. Is it does she only bring back paladins? Yeah, I was just thinking. Like, I'm pretty sure she brings back. I'm just, I think I'm, it's I'm based on the wound. I think it's based on the wound count. So I think she could bring back um, vindictors. I I don't know if I uh, would put. Three three wounds or less. She can bring back um, slain models. Three 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 wounds or less. Yeah. So Vandis adds one to the attack's characteristic of um, redeemers. So that that was that was what I was thinking. So you add an extra attack for all of those vindictors, and they get to attack. Like I said, I don't, I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be a super competitive list. But I was kind of intrigued because I really like making those those redeemer units shine. I'm I'm really surprised that um, I remember when the chariots were first shown on Warcom, people were th were salivating at the mouth like they're mini stonehorns, they're mini stonehorns. I'm going to run them in, and you rarely see them. 
I'm, I'm surprised that you're not seeing the storm for the because they have very good price. Like for the price for what you get out of them, yeah, I no, I, valuable. Yeah, no, I, I, I think they're actually pretty good. I, I, ha I think I had, um, some lists where I had about that number of points in, and I was definitely, I think I would definitely feel good slotting them in. I mean, for me, it was more of an aesthetic thing, just because I really like the Bretonian, you know, the Bretonian theme, and the chariot didn't quite mesh with that. I'm sure I could make it work, but yeah. Um, that was well, what I've done on what I've done on mine is um as an Empire man I've, you, I don't know if you remember the um the uh the Grand Theogonist Volcamar the Grim and um he's got that big eagle griffin at the back I've extended oh, yeah. the chat I've extended the chassis on my um on my chariot and I've actually got that eagle the big eagle statue over it so I've got a little bit Empire on mine but you nice. know there's so many good units like like I, I really like Indrasa. Problem is, I just didn't find her dude a lot in combat. I was really unimpressed with her stats in combat. Um, Primetime was another one. A lot of people were talking about how good Primetime was because um, he got the four-up ward. But yeah, he's a again, lot like you, I think the problem is, is that Bastion has taken on those points where before Bastion, yeah, you would chuck down Primetime for 300 points. But now you're taking either um, Bastion if you're running Hammers or you're taking Gardas, who's a steal at 150 points. Oh, yeah, Gardas is yeah. so cheap. Yeah, Gardas is crazy good. No, I, I think the I think the Selston, I like the Selston Prime. Um, I think the big advantage of him over Bastion is just that speed because he can, um, you know, he can drop down anywhere on the field and guarantee a charge. Um I, I still think Bastion gives you way much more, you know, a lot more um, just from a utility standpoint. Um, I think it's no contest between him, you know, between him and Yandrasta and the Selston Prime. I think Bastion just brings so much to the table. And you know what, like an, an Obsidian Crane here, you know, making an interesting comment or alluding to at least an interesting comment. If we find that things like Dracothian Guard and uh, the Forminators are giving away too many points and you still need that combat mods that can go in and do damage, I think I think something like the Chariot can work quite well if you are, I mean, I mean it doesn't have the wounds, it's not the durability, but boy, oh boy, can they do some damage. Yeah, no, on the charge. The, the chariot, yeah, the chariots, the chariots are not bad. Yeah, this is a lot of. I mean, this is this is the, the 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 blessing and the curse of Stormcast, is that you have so many options that it's hard to nail down a list. What's awesome is as the meta shifts and evolves over time, you've got something in your pocket that you can pull out and tweak and modify. Like you know, that you've got the the banner apotheosis person. You've got this whole sacrosanct that no one's tapping into. Um, another sneaky one that I know that the boys on the Stormkeep podcast really love is it the Knight Judicator? Is it that? The, the big bow hero guy. Yeah. Um, that's that's not too bad as well. And it's obviously not going to give away your priority target stuff, or it could be that final blow um, to take down a priority target when the long strikes do most of the damage. Yeah, no, he's he's really good too. Yeah, no, Stormcast, Stormcast has a ridiculous bench <laughs> um, over the years. They have just stacked up this ridiculous list of, of units and you know even even when like some chunks of it kind of slowly go out of favor other pieces roll in and and now they're really good and so it's it's yeah it, it's it's a it's a fun army to to run and and see all the different variations and, and tweaks and, and all that sort of stuff i mean because most you know nobody's i haven't seen anybody else take griff charger and i've i've been really surprised how 
um, nobody's taking the castle in, you know? So it's like, I feel like all of the heroes that I took aren't really being utilized that much. No, because in this type of list, for example, and I'll just bring it back up for anyone who might join late, like this type of list, most people would auto default the Lord Relicta as opposed to the Lord Castellant. Like you would just, the Relicta would go into this list immediately. But when you start looking at the combinations and start looking at, okay, getting the plus one, a bit more reliable save, you know, give it give it a spell, and you've got some good utility out of it. Um, it's not a bad shout. It's not a bad shout. I think that's the problem is there's too many good options, not enough points. Let's play 3,000-point games, folks. No, no, I don't have time. Um, anything you want to wrap up with? Any any shout-outs you want to make? This has been awesome, by the way, and a big congratulations for going 5-0 and oh. Winning Adepticon, uh, one of, one of the I guess the major events in in um, in America. I was going to call you Melbourne for some reason. America, very different place. Um, yep. Any shout outs? Anyone you want to you want to say hello to or um, anything that you want to close us off with? Um, yeah, sure. I'll just um, uh, shout out to David Griffin. He's the the, the guy that runs NashCon. Um, NashCon is just amazing. His I'm no offense to Adepticon, but the tables at NashCon are just phenomenal. Um, David goes above and beyond to make sure that each table has tons of really unique, great, like themed terrain. I mean, you're talking about like a hundred man event where every single table you're looking at like, wow, that's, I, I want to play on that table. I want to play on that table. I want to play on that table. Um, it's just, it's great. He's awesome. He runs a great event. Um, and I, I think it just opened up. I don't know if it, it might already be booked up maybe, but it, it usually fills up pretty quick. Um, but it's definitely, definitely worth the trip. Um, so August is usually like August, September time across. Yep. The year, it's yeah. usually, yeah, I think it's usually August. It's usually, it's usually after the new GHB drops. So it's a great opportunity to kind of test the waters with the new, new rules and everything. And yeah, it's just a blast. And big shout out to obviously Crazy Horse, who is that 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 um, enabler of terrain for um for for David. Mm, yep, it's just absolutely insane that terrain, man. Matthew, this has been awesome. Uh, I think we could talk a long time, and um, you've obviously given a lot of value to to us. And I think for any of Stormcast people, my advice to you, and I'd be curious in the comment section, you know, how are you thinking about your list now that you know the hunters out there? Are you, you know, like? I still think, I still think judicators have a play. Maybe not in your list, but I still think that you know, long strikes are slowly starting. To, you know, you know, will there be a points increase in GHB twenty twenty two? Oh um, yeah, I almost like, guarantee like, it. Yeah, you, you feel it's coming, right? Like you know, the hunt is testing the waters to see mm -hmm. does it change the dominance, and right now it hasn't. Like like ninety nine point nine percent of people who are playing long strikes. We'll continue to play long strikes because even giving away the extra VP, you're getting more value than what you're giving away. So will there be a points increase? Will it go to the crossbows? Will we actually go into more of the – will they be incentivized somehow, especially if um, we, we do go into a horde meta? And I think that's partially why I wanted to play with my gits is I don't care about your long strike model bits. I've still got 100 idiots on the table, and you don't have the damage output. So who knows? Who sees yep. where the game goes and what the incentives are going to be in GHB 2022? And who knows what's going to be happening with the uh, these incarnates? You know, the long strikes probably definitely are going to be valuable to pull down the bonded heroes if people are running the uh, the, the Chrome Spine more often. But 
Matthew, it's been awesome. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to have lunch. You go to bed. You go do your thing. Thank you for everyone who listened live. Appreciate it. And um, hopefully I see you. Um, I don't know. I want to go to America soon. Let me come in. Definitely. No, I look forward to it. And thanks for inviting me on. Hopefully everybody found it at least entertaining or interesting. Um, no, they, they took away a lot of value. And they're going to leave it in the comment section. They're going to say Matthew's wonderful. Thank you so much. He's lovely. Greatest instant sliced bread. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more fixes.